And welcome to the season premiere. Four seasons we've been here on Guitar Tales, and we are so happy to have you with us. We're here on the banks of the Delaware River at Riverview Studios. If you have any kind of filming needs, not only come to the website, come into this building. We'll cut in right now. Look, look at your screen right now. We're gonna show you some interior and exterior shots of Riverview through the magic of video and superimposing crap and things like that. My name is Dave Cohen. We are here at Guitar Tales. And we have with us, we are thrilled to have with us Lisa Sherman and Frankie Previtt. You guys were so kind to come here. I know you have other things going on tonight. You're very busy folks. And Lisa, thank you, thank you, thank you for that performance tonight. Goosebumps. You're welcome. It was fun. Uh, it, it wasn't planned. It so was it was not. really like, you know, off the cuff and what you got um, straight from here. My well, pleasure to be here. Thank you. And, and that's what I got from you is that as I was watching you perform, there were certain times your eyes closed and yeah. you were truly, truly in the moment. Yeah. You know, I, she could be in the kitchen and she's in the moment okay. singing. You know, I'm in the other room and I go walk in and she's cooking and she's chirping away. There's also very good juju here. There's good aura here. So I felt very comfortable just walking up on stage and, you know, doing that. <laughs> I felt, well, I felt the comfort level from you. And, and what really happens on this show, that, that one of the things I'm really grateful for in this show, and I've been saying this for a while, and I could even get a little emotional here, people come in here strangers and they leave as friends. Yeah. And, and That's I think a good it's thing. been everyone we've had on this show. It's awesome. So thank you guys so much for coming. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Now, before we get into so much, and we could fill five hours, we won't, but we could. Yes. Uh, we have a little game we play, and it's called Six Degrees of John Bon Jovi. So either one of you can handle that. Okay. Six um, degrees. This to you. This is yours. <clears throat> All right. Okay. So what, what's the game? Tell me the game. All right. Game. So, so there's some guy, Kevin Bacon. You might have heard of him. Yeah, so yeah, six, yeah. Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Same rules. So what we want to know is in your personal or professional life, how hmm. many people do we have to go through to get you to John Bon Jovi? To get me to go. And then we want the anecdote that accompanies that. Okay, so I just um, take out my phone and I look up his number and I call him. All right, so you, you, you know him. <laughs> yeah, I know John for many, many years. And in fact, um, Tico Torres, a drummer from the band, was in Frankie and the Knockouts, which right. was one of my bands that had some success. And John used to uh, come and see us play all the time. And I'm thinking that he's really digging the band. Oh, no, he had eyes on your drummer. <clears throat> yeah. Bingo, bingo. Oh. <laughs> but he used to tell me, oh, you're my favorite singer, you know, and then come backstage. And I found out many years later, he was there to kind of like schmooze up the Tico. Wow. I just today told a story to a defense attorney about how a firm poached one of my associates once in the same fashion. Hey, Dave, can I borrow your office for a deposition? And they secretly met with one of my associates and stole him away. See that? Sneaky. So it happens Sneaky. in the law. It happens in entertainment. <clears throat> it happens in life. It does. It does. You know? But, you know, that Tico, um, we were doing the third album out in L.A. Right. And so Tico finished all his drum parts and he went home. And I'm doing vocals and I get a phone call. Hey, this kid Bon Jovi wants me to do some demos. Oh, no. You know, do you mind if I, you know, do some demos? I can make some money? I said, Go make some money. Tico's oh, no. <laughs> still making money. I bet he is. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a great segue. So what, what some people know, some people don't, is that by the time we get to the interview part of the show, 
we've been together probably about two hours right now. Mm -hmm. So we've already gotten to know each other. And I shared with you guys right before we went on the air, you know, I did my little YouTube exploration of both of you and amazing things. And like I said, I could fill five hours, probably each, let alone for the two of you. Um, but what was one of the special things for me, I found Sweetheart oh, wow. from your band. And 1981. Yeah. And it transported me. That song blew up my radio. The younger people don't know. A radio is something that <laughs> when you would be in a car and you would turn a dial, you'd have trouble. You'd have to kind of do a little bit of this. Static. Until, yeah, right? you'd get the static, static in between. And then music would come on on a radio station. And mm. you couldn't choose. You got what they gave you. But that song would blow up the radio. Uh, I'm class of 82, so that would have been my junior year. It started. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's sort of the tapestry. Uh, of my the ending piece of my sort of childhood youth before I went to college. Right. And it's a beautiful piece of it. Interesting um, song was the last song I wrote for the Knockout record. Okay. And um, we had all these, you know, rock and roll songs on the album. And I walked into the president of the label, Jimmy Einer. Yeah. I said, I have one more song I want you to hear. So I play him Sweetheart, a little demo that I did. Yeah. And he goes, good song kind of a pop song you know it's, it is yeah. it's gonna it's gonna like radio is gonna like peg you as a pop band and you want to be a rock and roll band I said yeah because you sure you want to put that bullet in the gun I said All right yeah. I said load the gun it's a fucking good song you know and and yeah. so um, I figured if it's gonna be a hit it at least gives us some visibility yeah. and we're out there so when we play out live nobody would recognize us until we played that song yeah. and it gives you immediate street cred yeah so to speak yeah you know and and i will tell you so i you know i i will talk about your academy award which is huge but i i kind of happened upon that actually i take that back scott guitarmacist engel who's back there in, in the uh studio he's the one who connected us and i want to thank scott on the air for setting this up scott. thank you scott <laughs> he's he's amazing yes and um so he sent me he texted me that song and it it transported me that's what music does. I, and, and I was so proud to have the two of you on it. And you, there's so much to talk about with you. I sent it to my kids. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. yay. Yeah. It, it, it's an amazing song. Music has power. Yeah, it does. And I'm listening, even the guitar work. It, you're right. It, it's not a rock song. And there's that funky sort of 80s style, non-distorted, <clears throat> but really cool percussive guitar going on in there. Right. I was um, in a band called Bull Angus back in the late 70s okay and it was more of a heavy band right and then i the band broke up and i moved back home and i signed as an r&b singer to buddha records okay. and tony camilla buddha. buddha records okay yeah. yeah um and a lot of big stars were on that label and tony camillo who produced midnight train to georgia was my producer oh wow and so anytime i wrote a rock and roll song it went in the draw Oh, and if okay. I wrote an R&B song, we recorded it. Right. But I was getting a vibe that, you know, I'm coming from this like heavy rock and roll band and I'm not feeling my ass getting kicked from the R&B. I like singing it. Yeah. And I just said, you know what? I, I got to cross these two elements and do a kind of a rock and roll soul band. Yeah. And Frankie Nanakas was born. That, that, and that, the chorus, lo lo love the verse, love it. The chorus is amazing. In that song. Yeah, I have that little hook. falsetto thing I do in yeah. there that kind of is a trademark of that song. You mean the one I tried to do in the car in the living <laughs> studio today? I, which I literally uh -huh. did. Yeah, which I can't do? Yes, that one. Yeah. It, it, it's very cool. And, and it's thank catchy. You. It's thank so you. catchy. It's catchy. It's memorable. You know, and, and look, <clears throat> the three of us have a certain bias toward a certain period of time for sure. music. Sure. But I think there's some, it's not just subjective, there is something really objective. And you're a piece of that history about the quality of the, the composition, the lyricism, and, and the hooks that we saw in the 70s and 80s that right. we'll probably get back at some point, but not I now. I don't know. I don't, I don't Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. So but in, it's more visual now. Yes, it yes. is. Yeah, it is. In, yeah. in uh, February, because the song was released for Valentine's Day back in 81. Right. And so I got a call from uh, Jeff Stevens from iHeart. Okay. Uh, radio, and um, he has a band. And he said, listen, do you mind if I re-record Sweetheart? Wow. I said, go ahead, record. He goes, yeah. but you got to sing it with me. 
right? Oh, that's even better. Yeah, so he and I are going to do a version and put it out for Valentine's Day and then do a concert out in Ohio with uh, the guys from Player. Right. And um, was it Cafferty? Is that the... Um, James Cafferty? Gafferty. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, the what guy was the, um, the group? Uh, Brandy. Oh, said. Brandy. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, him, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and we'll think of it in a minute. Yeah. Already you don't the mean audience. the song, Brandy? The yes. yes. Oh. The band. We'll think it, of it. The audience already knows. It's in my phone, knows. which is on the other side of yeah, the room. Yeah, the audience Brandy. already yeah. knows what it is. We were just talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the three of us with this band Stranger, their name. Yeah. We're That's going to cool do name. this concert out in Ohio in February, and they're going to redo Sweetheart and Hungry Eyes and Time of My Life. Right. And that's another thing, by the way, Hungry Eyes. It, the it, best. It's again, the a, best. It the is. Best. It's such a quality. And you know, so here's my thought about hearing that about five times today, literally today. You could have sang that song. Uh, Eric Carmen did a beautiful job, <clears throat> right? Thank you. But, that, but, in, but listening to your vocals, is there a story behind why that was his and not, or not his, but why he recorded it as opposed to you? Um, Jimmy Einer, who was the president of a label, Millennium right. Records that I was on, and that label kind of went its own way, and mm -hmm. Jimmy went into film. Okay. And so um, there's a whole story about how I got called into right time of my life. But after they accepted that uh, time of my life, they said, "You have anything else?" And I had already written wow. "Hungry Eyes." Okay. For the knockout. so that was sitting in a drawer, so to speak. For the Knockouts' next record, uh, which didn't happen because you broke up in what '86? '85. Okay. And right. so uh, I said, yeah, I got this other song, Hungry Eyes. So when they heard it. Wait, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. So this happens, right? Are you having any suspicion at all that Hungry Eyes would blow up the way it did? Or, or are you just thinking, eh, it's a good song I have? Uh, I thought it was a good song. Right. Um, I thought it was, you know, obviously worthy of being on a Frankie and a Knockout record. And I thought it could be a single for Frankie and a Knockout. Right. And so um, I sent in that demo along okay. with the demo of Time in My Life. And they actually filmed the movie to our demos. Wow. And so um, Jimmy calls and said, hey, listen, why don't you go ahead and record the song and, you know, for, the, for the movie? And I'm like, okay. And then I get a call uh, from the director, Emil Ardolino, and he said, we have another scene. Can you come in? I want you to look at it. Right. So, all right. So I'm looking. He goes, oh, by the way, what are the BPMs, beats per minute, of right. Hungry Eyes? Because they're really having a hard time linking it up to the demo. And I go, what are you talking about? I'm recording it on Monday. Yeah. And he goes, oh, you don't know. Somewhere. I said, know what? He goes, uh, Bob Summers just became president of RCA, and Eric Carmen <sighs> just got signed. You're out. He's in. So that's how uh, I got blown out. So did an F-bomb drop out of your mouth internally or externally at that time? Well, <laughs> you know, um, I was more hurt by it because I had already called the band. I had already booked the time. So it was an yeah. embarrassing, yeah. hey, guys, you know, have to tell them. And uh, the good news is the song was a, was a big hit. And, and you it, own it, right? Yeah. All right, so and that's it regenerated good. his career. But I, he's a name I don't know. Eric Carmen is from the Raspberries. Okay. All right. Who Jimmy Einer produced. Okay. Did he have a career after that or did he kind of sort of... Wait, which song? Go all the way, the oh. raspberries. Remember that song? Yeah, I do. All right, so he's a big, big deal that um, Celine Dion sang. Uh, I'll tell you in a minute. May I have a glass of wine? You're whining again. I am. Oh. This was <laughs> happening for the last hour. It's because you of this delicious stop. wine. So cheers, everybody. Cheers. Let's do a little toast. Let's here. do a little toast. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. We'll think of everything in about, you know, after this one. Yeah. We'll think of that. Oh, oh, all by, all by myself. All by myself. Oh, that was all right. Eric Carmen. So you know what I like? I like my ignorance sometimes because I should have known that. Um, so he's so he's a big deal in and of you know. Eric Carmen has written probably uh, seven or eight major major hit records. Also, oh, he's a writer, not just a performer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Raspberries. that's interesting, and I guess a bummer. But look, you've had an amazing career anyway. <clears throat> you know, it's like when I'm watching. You know, like an Entertainment Tonight kind of show, and Matt Damon laments that he didn't do The Matrix, and I'm like, dude, you've done just fine, right? You know, and you're the same way. You, you, I mean, uh, I heard a rumor that you might have won an Academy Award. Is that true? <laughs> uh, it was a good year. Yeah. So it you're only our seventeenth guest on the show who's won an Academy Award. Oh, okay. Only. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, sixteen others. Yeah. Huh? yeah. <laughs> so, so. Um, Lisa, I want to get to you. We'll do, let's do the Academy Award. Let's, let's do a little more. Let's dig a little more into how you got connected to Dirty Dancing. And then Lisa, again, we could do 
five hours with you. And I, I've done really good research and background. You've got an amazing backstory, Thank too. Thank you. Uh, so, we'll, we'll just have to come back again. I, we would love to have you back. I'd love to taste Not you, your but whites. You. Your whites are, the reds are great. Yeah, yeah. I'll bring, I have, I have a lot of white at home, too. So, all right. So, let's talk about, see, we kind of just sort of wandered into it. So here you are, you're already successful. You know, you've, you've already had this, one, <clears throat> you had this great hit that was blowing up the radio. Right. So you're not someone who's a stranger to success pop culture-wise. But this is, this right. is this next is about, level stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So what happened? Um, you know, Frankie and the Knockouts, you know, you think that, oh, wow, you had this big hit and yeah. it blew up the radio. You know, if you prorate what I made, it's a buck and a quarter an hour. Right, right, You know, right. from all the years that I had invested mm -hmm. in, and it was survival money. Right, right. You know, still and selling. And people assume you, you're on the radio, you're rich. Oh, exactly. But I'm still yeah. selling cars out of my driveway. Literally? Yes. Wow. Yep, still doing yeah. that. And, you know, because Jimmy closed up his label, and here I am back at square one trying to get another record right. deal. Road Hungry Eyes, Jimmy Calls. Right. Jimmy Einer, Millennium Records, Jimmy Einer. Listen, I got this little movie. I want you to write a song. For Did he me. say little? Yeah. Wow. And he just said, I said, Jimmy, I don't have time. I said, I'm trying to get a deal. You close your label. Make time is going to change your life. Mm. Thinking, yeah, you're going to change my life. Right. And he goes, I'm, no, I feel really good about this. And I go, okay, what's the name of the movie? And he goes, Dirty Dancing. And I go, oh, Jesus, he's doing porn. Jimmy's doing porn. Well, you've got the, the cool guitar stuff from your other stuff. Chicka, 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 chicka. So that would have worked well for porn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's very And funny. he's like, no, no, this is not that kind of movie. It's right. a really good little movie. Baby meets Johnny and the father doesn't like the kid. That's what I knew. Right, that's it. That's, that's it. it. Did you know Catskills yet? Nope. Didn't know anything no. about Catskills. Yeah. It was Baby Meets Johnny and that father doesn't like the kid. Right. He's a dance instructor. Right. So I said, okay. So I had written Hungry Eyes with John D. Nicola and I said, let me give John a call. Right. And so I did. And, and I said, the good news is we got asked to write a song. The bad news is it's for the last scene of the movie and it has to be seven minutes long. I never thought about that. That's a seven-minute seven minute song. Now, now, if you go back to the 70s, that wasn't such That's a... MacArthur Park. Okay, right, right. <laughs> but it's not, in, like, it's not like it eventually became when, you know, 315 or whatever. Well, AOR it became, Rock it be, had... It became like Foreign yeah. Change. Is that what it was? Yeah, okay. Foreign Change. All right. But, you know, there was such a connection with the movie yeah. and Patrick Swayze yeah. and Jennifer and, and the phenomenon that it took on that it didn't matter if it was three minutes, five minutes, four minutes, Could have been 40, yeah. you know, it just became this connecting factor that the public embraced. But how do you, how did, when, as you're writing, I know I apologize for interrupting, but I'm so interested in the content of the song. We, how connected did you become to the script or, or the, the actors who were in it? That was weird the way I said actor, but actors who were in it. Actors, yes. Actors. I, I am was, an actor. Yeah, that actor. was obnoxious. I apologize for that. I knew, I, I yeah, I knew very mm -hmm. little about it. I wrote the song on the Garden State Parkway exit 140. Clark? Uh, Clark uh, Union. Okay, yeah. okay. And um, John sent me a cassette of the music. I put that cassette into my dashboard. Really? And I'm playing that cassette, and I'm listening, driving, going... Nin in the name of my life, nin in the name of my life. You know, like, what the hell am I saying? Right. You know, and I'm scribbling time of my life Are on you an driving? envelope. Yeah. Wow. And I, I, that, you know, the man upstairs wrote the rest of this. Because right. well, that, when I met Patrick Swayze at the Academy Awards, he goes, dude, it was like you were here and you were, there was 149 songs submitted for that last scene. Wow. You were the 150th wow. on the day we were filming. And he goes, we were getting ready to film to a Lionel Richie song. Uh, Dancing on the Ceiling. Yeah. Dancing really? On, yeah. Oh, yours is so much more fitting. And they movie. were bummed. And they were like, let's get this piece of shit movie over with. Right. It was the last cassette, right? Yeah, the 150th cassette. Wow. And they, they started listening to it. And they were like, is this song great or are we just desperate? Right. You know? And they were like, no, we're filming to that song. And he goes, we, turn, we turned all the uh, choreography around. And we filmed that day. He goes, me singing when the song breaks down. Yeah. Me singing to you singing, Frankie. Wow. 
And we're like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's so. You said something that I think is really interesting. I, I, I talk about Don McLean sometimes, and I feel like there was a time in Don McLean's life when a muse just tapped him on the shoulder and said, I'm going to fucking take care of you. You know? Yeah. And, <clears throat> and so you had that muse, and you've had a, more than one muse in your career. But do you oh, feel I'm like definitely a, spiritually guided. Yeah, do you feel Absolutely. like when you're on, at exit 140 between Union and Clark, <laughs> uh, and I'm going to guess you're in a jalopy of a car, right? I was in an older older ride, yeah. Right, right, you know, right. I told you I was selling them out of my driveway, so right. I was using them. Manual or uh, power windows? Um, it was a um, it was an automatic on the on the shifter. All right, all right, <laughs> we'll take it. So, do you feel like a muse kind of tapped you on the shoulder and said, "I'm going to give you this"? Well, I say the man upstairs wrote the song because yeah. I didn't know what the movie was about, and Patrick was like, "It was like you were here." Yeah, that's like you wrote these lyrics standing here watching this film. And it did. And the funny thing is, those immortal words it will change your life, and it did, right? That was my speech at the Academy Awards. I'd like to thank Jimmy Einer for changing my life. And you know what's really cool? To get a little sappy here, you changed other lives, because that movie was so touching to so many people. It still is. Yeah, yeah, and and you know that that song in connection with the story still touches people. So, so when he gave you those immortal words that'll change your life, you you touched and improved other people's lives, which is really neat. I think that's because you know RCA and Vestron Films didn't really believe in the movie they were going to put it out for two weeks and go to vhs really? and so within those two weeks three hundred thousand records were back ordered and before wow. rca could print a record a million records were back ordered so oh really joe public made dirty dancing wow not yeah. not the not big brother wow that's that's really cool and, yeah. and that's you know and, and there is no shortage of achievements in your life, but what 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 an amazing achievement! And you know what? It, and it's a positive achievement. You know, like it, it just that's a positive movie. It's a positive song. It makes people feel good. You know, Patrick himself. I got to know him a little bit as a okay. person, and I mean, the character that he played, Johnny Castle, this yeah. this tough, rugged, you yeah. know, kind of guy with a big heart. That's who he really was. Right. You know, I did some charity events with him, and and he just. That's who Patrick was. Right. Yeah. You, you, you do some can tell us a little bit, then we're going to switch to Lisa in a bit. Um, your, your, your work uh, for charities that involve uh, pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Well, you know, after Patrick's passing, I, I was, what can I do? This song meant so much to him. It means so much to me. Yeah. You know, so I did a cold call to the pancreatic cancer action network. Yeah. And just so happens that the person that picked up the phone was the CEO, the person who started the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. And it's the largest charity for pancreatic cancer in the world, wow. bigger than Lufgarden. Wow. So I talked to Pamela Olson and uh, she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to release the demos that they dance wow. to. Brilliant. And, and I want to sell them on Facebook. So it's Dirty Dancing Demos on Facebook. Brilliant. And I go, you can own a piece of history. And so for the past 25, 30 years, we've raised about maybe $30,000 for pancreatic wow. cancer and people just, you know, purchasing time of my life, the original demo with hungry eyes, the original demo. And then I put a third song on there called Someone Like You, which right. is in the stage play Dirty Dancing. It's beautiful. beautiful that's that's yeah, fantastic. Beautiful. You know, so that those prophetic words that they keep giving and giving. By the way, so, so as we segue to Lisa, here's, here's the cool backstory here. Uh, you guys, you're our second married couple to appear together here in Guitar Tales. We're married all of, what, three months now? Two months. Two months? Oh, you just failed, dude. Well, it was, wait, wait, it was wait, July, was it? August, was September, or else you failed. October. No, wait, Lisa failed. July, July August, August, September. September. Wow. Time right. is right, so, you, so it's two and a half. It's almost November. That's what's the All right, the so you're not in the doghouse. You are. Roof. Yeah. <laughs> Again, but it, it, again, yeah, we just got married. Now you guys, be, and I could say this comfortably because I just hung out with you for a couple hours before we started taping. You're a wonderful couple. Like you guys compliment each other really well. Fun, nicely. aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> now, now, how long have you known each other? Eight years. Yeah, eight years. Eight years. Eight years in July. We got married on the day that we went on our first date. Yeah. Which was July July 29th. That's very romantic. And I said, Let, let's make that anniversary official. Yeah. 
you know. So, so we got married on the one day in the summer that was a huge, it was like a monsoon. <laughs> it was a monsoon. But they, people say if you get married and it rains, I mean, I don't know where it, where that came from. Right. I don't it. know what that means, but I've it heard it. Luck. It means good luck. So we'll take it. It's, you know, look, here's one way to think of it. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Here we go again. Here we go again. We're whining again. It's We're whining good. again. And by the way, I have extra here if you guys want a little more. Salud. Thank you. So you can weather any storm. Yeah. Right? Ah, so I'll take I like that. that. I like that. We have to. We can weather any storm. Yeah. And, and I think there's some, uh, I'm getting the vibe that there's a lot of truth to that. So, so one of the things that, you know, I, I, what I love before our shows is I'll just, I'll go on a little YouTube journey, a little bit on the internet, but mainly YouTube. God knows Lisa, what's on there. God yeah. knows what's on YouTube. No, the bad stuff is gone. I tried, but it's gone. <laughs> um, but you have such an amazing career. But what I, my first observation that I think is so special about you guys is you're both artists. And, and as artists, you're both very complementary of each other. I, I watched your dialogue. You know, Lisa, you're, when, you're, when you did that beautiful vocal performance, and even in the warm-ups, you're leaning up, you're, you're saying, Frankie, how did that sound? And he's being supportive. It's, and it's respect. Yeah, it's right. respect. It's professional respect. <clears throat> and more importantly, it's trust. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's my music man. I think I, I not, not that I think, I know in my pathway of life that I'm still, you know, still traveling. traveling the journey of life right. and you meet different people some people compliment you some people are um, enamorous some people are your friends some people are a mixture of all of it but when you have a trust and a love and a respect right it's a very uh, strong bond and it takes I think a lot of fault until you find that and some people don't find that right. So I knock on wood, and I'm I'm lucky that that we we both kind of found each other, and we let each other right fly. Time. We yeah. let each other breathe. We let each other do what we have to do because, as artists, and you would know because you interview them, we can be complicated, and we can be <laughs> moody, and we can be very energetic. But how do we make that work? How do we make that work? I know the answer to this question. You want to talk about this? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you want to talk, baby? You want to talk? If you guys broke up on guitar tells, I would like make way. No, I'm kidding. Uh oh. No, I know the I know the answer to this. If you're comfortable. Okay, I I'm comfortable. I'm waiting for the answer. The answer is that we've gone out for eight years, and during those eight years, oh, we saw okay. each other three three and a half days a week. Yes. And we so, don't live together for for yeah, our audiences. Right, we are right. we are married. But we, we don't live together, and I truly think we've started something. Because every yeah. time, like even, even at our, our wedding during our nuptials, somehow that conversation came in. Right. And um, you could see other couples going like, That's a great That's idea. That's a great idea. We've got to do that. Got to get me a condo. Yeah, we, 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 we see each other like you know, three times a week or wh whatever. Our schedules change, and we perform a lot together. So right. we, we do end up, you know, changing that schedule but in general again we let each other breathe we had homes before we got married right. and before you know before we met each other so we felt you know what it works it works well it's right. the timing of life yeah you know you've had your children right i mean a new uh, a young couple having a child you couldn't do that right you no know? right this is a different scenario correct but it's it, it's showing trust and the thought pops in my head. You know, a lifetime ago I was married and I remember, and for a long time, and I remember one of the things we see these days, and I, I even see it on, on Facebook. There's now a new name. I forget the new name of Facebook. By the way, do you know they changed their name today? No. Today? Yes, today. I oh, forget this the is, name. This Someone is historic. What's it, Assbook? Yeah, it's Assbook. Just <laughs> oh, know it's Assbook. No, no, no. Um, Does so, anybody know the name yeah. of what, what we'll it's turned? What is it? Meta, M-E-T-A. Meta. Which, which I think is Latin for above, right? Like you could be a meta, meta or something. Really? It'll work. They'll, they'll make us like it because shirt. they'll get into our brains. So, but in my past life, one of the things that I would see is girls' night out, right? Right. And, and that was the, up, and I get it. Like that's the opportunity for the girls, the wives, to sort of get away from all the stresses. Uh, of and go hang together. And, and, and hang with, other, with their friends. 
And it doesn't mean that they don't want to be in the marriage and things like that. No, and it's what just you guys life. Are, it's life. Yeah, but what you guys are doing seems more organic than that. You know, and again, it wouldn't work if you were raising children <clears throat> together from the Correct. beginning. But Correct. at this point in your life, if you guys live together and you needed the space, maybe it creates a sort of resentment or, or a trust it issue. Could. I need to get away. But now you, you have your separate lives. <coughs> Excuse me. But when you're together, I need wine to wash that down. Um, but when you're together, it's just so perfect. And then you're right. together because you want to It works for us. It really yeah. works for us. And we make, we make a lot of special nights. Like that. There, there are many times I don't see him from Sunday until Friday for whatever reason is going on. And on Friday, I look forward to it. You know, I do the face and the hair. I get dressed. I do, you know, and we, right. we go out. And we have we a chance have, to miss each other. We have a yeah, chance to miss each other. And, and so it all works. So, and yes. I heard you guys had this really big night recently to go to Guitar Tales. That was like a <laughs> you know what? We planned this. We talked about it. And here we are. So let me, so, and, and I love this. Because, again, you guys are a really nice couple. And we're going to. If we have the time, I want to talk, which we'll make, I want to talk about your projects together. But Lisa, you have an amazing professional artistic backstory. Background, yeah. You yeah. were a Rockette. I did. I, I danced with the Rockettes. I was at Radio City for four years. I had a dance major. I was, I, was always, I was always an entertainer from a very, very young age. Like I started dancing at four. Now, dancing. Was that sort of like... Dancing, you were going to lessons, or dancing was just in you and you felt it? No, I was training. Okay. I, I needed to be trained to dance. That okay. was something I had to specifically study and aspire to. I got a dance scholarship to um, Adelphi University. So Singing were you a was New natural. Growing up? I lived in Long Island for, okay. for quite a few years, okay. yeah. To go to school, but she was from Rumson. But I was from, yeah, I've always, okay. I've always Jersey been girl. from um, New Jersey. Singing was something that was very natural. I didn't really acquire the taste to um, make a decision to learn about the vocals <laughs> that are involved and the necessities to learn about proper vocal care right. to sing. To me, it was just natural. Right. Dancing was technical. I didn't take the singing as seriously because it was easy. Right. It wasn't until I really started spending more time professionally that I realized that the gift that I had is going to wear out if, if I don't start to take care of it. And that was when I really began to invest professionally in the gifts that I had, whether it was you know, continued dance lessons and the now at this point in my life, I'm teaching. Right. You know, I, I could never you know, keep up with that sort of um, technicality and lifestyle on, on my, my system anymore. You know, I've had those days, I'm, I am older. But I look back at the amount of time that I put into all the classes and all the sweat and all the pain and all the broken yeah. bones and all that stuff. Literally, and, so you mean literally broken bones? Oh yeah, I, oh my God, yes. You know, as, as a, <clears throat> a human being, as a yeah. professional dancer, professional singer, professional athlete, this is period of time, and not for everybody, but you know, nine out of ten times, you're going to have injuries. Right. You know, you are human, and and I found like during the, the the days in like the 70s and 80s when I was really hoofing on Broadway and off Broadway and all the shows I was doing. At that time, the unions were different, the specifications were different. Were they less the protective of you than they are now? Less protective. Okay. For instance, when I was working at Radio City. During the Christmas show, let's just use that as a great example. Right. So this is Rockettes still? Yeah. Okay. Rockettes, Radio City, that yeah, whole, that, that whole you know, iconic. That whole, yes. Yeah, yeah. In that building, in Rockefeller Center, you were there all day. You did six shows a day, wow. six days a week. And we would, that, that's we an would rotate. We would rotate because there were so many Rockettes. And so, I mean, there were so many of us. And we interchanged, interchanged our parts example some of the shows here's an example of a show it was called new york summer just throwing this it's a whole different yeah. thing than the christmas show but the new york summer was a very big show at rockefeller center in the 80s and <clears throat> the rockettes would play other parts as there would be leads and other um other parts in that show 
Okay. There was a script. It wasn't just the oh, Rockettes. Oh, it wasn't just, okay. It, it, was, it was a whole show. It was a theatrical like extravaganza. Okay. It was like right. a big play in that, that, that starred the Rockettes. But there were, there were 392 in that cast. Wow. And we would rotate because no one could do six all that all day. the time. Oh six shows a day, six days a week. So <clears throat> we all got to interplay with all our different parts. And it was, it was a blast. At that time, the union was AGVA. Okay. Yeah, it was AGVA, which isn't even um, around anymore. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, you know, the, what was allowed then is not happening now. So we, we would not have to put ourselves out for okay. something so like that. Pause and talk. Oh, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, you know, during all of that time, though, she had an opportunity to be mentored by Tom Baylor. Oh my God, yes. Okay. Who wrote and worked with Quincy um, on uh, We Are the World oh. and many, many other hit records. And he helped produce and work with Lisa. He was, he was a very big part of the, um, the four years that I was there, he was a very big part of the musical direction and songwriting of, um, of, of these shows at, at Radio City Music Hall. And yes, mentor, extravaganza there's that word again he he taught he taught me and I was very young I was like 18 19 20 years old he taught me the world of studio recording versus session recording versus going in front of 6,000 people you know six times a day six days a week and projecting, learning how oh, to... Oh, right, because it's different. Different voices. Voice, very different. different Every, voices. It's all different. Yeah. It's all different. And what a lesson I What was his I name learned. again? Tom Baylor, B-A-H-L-E-R-T-H-O-M. So, so this was a great segue, So because you, you made my next sort of question better. So here you are a Rockette, but not just a Rockette, but being mentored by Tom Baylor. So let's compare you to when you're, let's call it, 11, 12, right? You're interested in dance, you know you have a good voice. Mm -hmm. And fast forward however many years, you are on this iconic troupe uh, of world-class, world-famous, historically recognized dancers. Mm -hmm. And to boot, Tom Baylor, a name I learned tonight, but, but clearly uh, a luminary in your world, is helping you become the best dancer you molding, can be. Molding her. Molding you. And and not just you, you're dancing, but you know I was going to ask you this dancing, earlier. Dancing, acting, triple threat. Yeah. Dancer, singer, actor. Yeah. So to How did be that clear, feel, though? How did that to feel? be clear, when I was hired at Radio City Musical yeah. by Tom Baylor, when he met me at the oh, audition, wow. which I skipped school to go to, okay. I had no idea what I was going into. I just was at Adelphi. I was in the dance department. Right. And. But I, I really wanted musical theater, and so I started, you know, looking into it. And I would, you know, leave class or skip class and yeah. and go into New York. And I remember just standing in line with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds right. of people outside Radio Music Hall, Radio City Music Hall. It was so exciting. And I remember going in. I had no music. I had never really done this before. Right. And there was a table of people. Tom Baylor was one of them. And Long story short, when I went, I sang a song and I did a little dance. What song did you sing? Do you remember? I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> it's the wine. Another sip of wine. I can't, yeah. I can't remember right now. <clears throat> anyway, when I was hired, I was hired as what was called a New Yorker. The New Yorkers were a team of singer, dancers, actors, actresses. So the trip, you were hired as a triple threat? Yes. Okay. But when we were hired as that, and the Rockettes were part of the whole thing. As I said, we used to interchange. So I was hired as a New Yorker, then ended up working and dancing with the Rockettes. So all of us would interchange all our different yeah. roles. What an experience to have all that. So to be able to like do a kick line and dance with the Rockettes, but then be able to on the same show, maybe I was, maybe I was subbing for someone, who knows? But I was able to sing these incredible songs and then dance. And then maybe the next show that night was going to be something else. Wow. So you learned, you really learned how to do it all. You had to do it like that because people got injured. Things happened. It's a big stage. And you know what, what an experience. What blows my mind is what Lisa would tell me about the, the stage where animals would come up out oh. of the, 
Once again, Agva, remember that you... Oh, know, right, you're not being... Your safety is not being protected. You're an attorney, right? I am. No, okay. <laughs> yeah, right, so, right. so... Statue of limitations is... During, <laughs> during, yeah. during those years, yeah. everything was different. Laws, rules, regulations were different. The stage at Radio City, they have a hydraulic stage. It's so big, and the thing moves. I mean, literally, the, the stage moves. It lifts and goes down to, like, subway level and flips around and goes. It's huge. And so we would have to get ready and end up on the stage during the Christmas show on the nativity scene with the animals that were inside the Radio like City musical. They shouldn't live, have been there. big animals. Live wow. animals. They shouldn't have been there. But it was the 70s and the 80s. And we were there with our big old costumes, and we had our antlers and things like that. The camels were spitting at us. <laughs> there was stuff going on. We, it was, <laughs> looking back, yeah, I have funny stories. It was just an experience that I'll never, I'll never forget. It's well, let me ask you this question. People and artists will walk into situations with sort of varying levels of security or insecurity. So I don't know you well yet. So, like, I'm an insecure person. I'm, I'm open and comfortable with that, right? So you come into this situation with whatever level of core confidence you have, mm -hmm. right? And if you, maybe you walked in as someone with insecurities. Maybe you walked in as someone with confidence. But what did that experience do for your core in terms of what you thought about yourself? Good question. That experience, which led me to other shows and other areas of the entertainment industry, I think... If you choose to go into this industry, you have to have some level of a hard skin. Right. Because you're going into rejection, yep. competition, and a continuous workload where you may or may not allow yourself to be taken advantage of, whether it's the number of hours that you work or the number of shows that you get, or perhaps you should have gotten that part or somebody else right. got your part. And what, you know, what happened here? It's, it's a constant... Um, area in the world of entertainment that could shake you if you allowed it. Right. So to answer your question, I've not, there's a thin line of being pompous and arrogant, confident or insecure or real, and, and I feel I'm a very real person. I've always enjoyed competition. So you have that core. I think, I'm going to cut you off, I think you have some of that core confidence, which is beautiful. Yeah. You do, right? And you're it's not even comfortable shaken. saying it. It's been shaken uh, many, many times. And I was, yeah. you, you had mentioned, we were talking before the show about um, uh, Kristen uh, Chenoweth, and, yeah. which brings me to an audition that I went to for Wicked. And I remember um, I went to this audition, and I got very used to walking into rooms and auditioning, right. singing or dancing, whatever it was I was doing, and really not being paid much attention to. You just, you know, they know or they don't know the second you walk in the room. You know, they have an idea if, if you're going to be utilized or not. Right. And I walked in this room, and I remember I, I sang um, Defying Gravity, which I knocked out of the park. She now, does sing it good. I do believe that... Wait, can you give us a couple bars? No. <laughs> I do believe I do believe that the table of people that were there. Right. I think they were ordering lunch. Okay. Because oh. they were not even looking at me. And so at the end of the song, I was like, "All right." And I just start to walk towards the door. And one gentleman looks up from his table and he looks at me and he goes, uh, "You're too tall." With That's, that in that cold kind I'm of I'm too tall. I mean, that was your constructive criticism. I'm too tall. And I remember yeah. Walking away from that, I'm not sure why it was that audition, but I walked away from that. Something, you know, it tugged on me a little bit. Right. And I was like, all right, all right. You know what? You're not going to bring me down. And that's kind of like what the song was about. Yeah. And, yeah, you're not, you're not going to put me in that place. I may not sing it on your stage, but I can promise you. You just wait till you watch what I do next. Something turned in. That's it, really it, great. It continuously turns in. She around. has such confidence, though. I mean, this is a girl that, that auditioned for Dreamgirls. And I knew I wouldn't <laughs> get that. I knew that. But I wanted to be seen and heard. And you're right. That was a fun yeah. audition. I was quite special that day. And I went in and I, you know, 
You never know who's going to see you. You never know right. who's going to see and me. That's, that's true. And think, well, I have a role for her. Right, right. You know? And that's what you have to do in this business. You know, you have to, you just have to put it out there. And whatever anyone's going to do with it is not going to be in your power anyway. Right. Well, you know, and, and, and I love what you said, Frankie, that, you know, and, and it's obviously on your, in your mind because you didn't know Frankie yet, um, is that when you're giving those auditions, you know, there could be someone who says, all right, I don't want her for this, but, oh, my God, is she perfect Oh, exactly. You just have yeah. to be out there. You have yeah. to be seen. You have to be heard. But, you know, it led her to go on and, and have her own television show and, and do Broadway. And, yeah. and, and all these things that, you know, um, the callous of the industry, yeah. you know, and then you learn how to let things roll off. Right. So you're looking at, okay, what did I learn from this? And where do I go from here? Well, you know what I love about your story is that somebody literally out of their own insecurity tried to wound you. I mean, that, that, that motherfucker tried to hurt you. Yes. It's very true. With that true. callous comment, because that's a person, it, it's, it's easy to tell. That's an insecure They're person. They're bullies. Well, he was They're too bullies. short. Yeah. And he failed. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> there, are, yeah. there are bullies everywhere yeah. in life. And there are people, there are many times people, I've, I've done some wonderful lectures on how to audition for an audition, you know? Mm. How to be a performer or not. Right. You know, it, That's a great, con or not, yeah. right. Or yeah. not. And, you know, life can be a performance. There are gonna be mean people everywhere. Right. And in this industry, it's very easy to be um, turned off or turned down. Right. But you know what? It's people always ask again. You it's know, how you pick yourself will you make, up. We yeah. have we have mm -hmm. starved. That's You've how lived you grow. on bologna sandwiches in your garage. Yeah. I have lived with nothing. But if I had millions and millions of dollars, I don't think I would have changed it. Right. You know, I there's something when you sing a song, when you're on a stage. There's something. There's something that gets you. It just, it, it's, it's the whole reason for doing it. By the way, that mood just inhabited you right now. It you did. Saw and, it. And, and, <laughs> you and, saw I, it. and I said to her when we first met, when, when are you the happiest? Right, right. And she said, when I'm singing. That's beautiful. And it, it's beautiful on two levels. First of all, it's beautiful that she's happiest when she's singing. When you're happy. But secondly, that you're aware of that. You know, that, that you have the self-awareness to appreciate that. I mean, there's people who say, I'm happiest when I'm fly fishing. Mm. You know? And, and that's that's wonderful. Also, um, there's you know there's people who are happiest when they're cooking, when they're watching their kids' ball game. There's a million things. Yeah. But you know, I I just saw it in you that very second when you, you inhabited the moment when you told us that you're happiest when you're singing. You for a brief moment inhabited that moment. You know, like, I, I saw disappear. that. I disappear. Cool. I disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Now we we don't have a ton of time left, but one of the things that I want to talk about and give you guys bit of a platform to talk about that we alluded to earlier is you have a project more than one but there's one together right now yeah we are um lisa came up with a great idea i love that idea i've heard i read about it it's great and uh celebrating three troubadours yes and these three troubadours are uh taylor james taylor simon carly simon and carol yeah. king right and so um i said you know what those are three unbelievable songwriters. Yeah. yeah. And they have a catalog of songs. You had to be under a rock not to know these mm -hmm. songs. And so Lisa had put this show together. She picked all the songs that she wanted from these artists. And uh, November 12th, we're at the uh, Bucks County Playhouse here in Pennsylvania, New Hope. Pennsylvania. I live in Pennsylvania. We sold in out. County. We sold out every show. So far, yeah. So wow. far that we've done. I mean, the pandemic. Um, this this show, this production, has taken on a few different facelifts, like many shows do. Right. So the concept actually started, you know, a few years ago, and we've changed casts a few times for different reasons. And the cast that we have now seems to have a really good connection. It's to taken the, a to while. The music. Yeah. It's taken a while. It's taken a while to find it, and we're still finding it. You know what I like the best about is that they interpret yes the songs one of my biggest pet peeves <clears throat> and who so i am a big cheryl crow fan 
Love oh, Cheryl Crow. Of course. Um, I hate her version of First Cut as a Deepest. Mm. Because as beautiful as her voice is, I don't think she's thinking about the lyrics when she sings the song. Right. I think when she sings the song, she's thinking about how great her, she has a great voice. I love Cheryl Crow. I love her whole catalog. Right. I listened to her on the way here tonight, as a matter of fact. Mm. But she's not thinking, in my mind, I could be dead wrong. Right. And she's probably not watching right now. But um, I don't feel like she is thinking she about it. the lyrics when she performs that song. So I love what you just said, because that's yeah. so important. Each, each singer, uh, from Lisa to uh, Mary McCrink to Byron Smith, right. they have a way of interpreting. Because when I go to all the rehearsals and I sit there and I listen, I go, God. Never thought of that. Yeah, right. the, the way these singers are interpreting these right. songs gives it such a unique you know, feeling that um, it brings you back. You know, yeah. that, that you re-love the song. Well, look, you're a songwriter, and someone put a lot of thought into the specific lyrics for that song, and in a way that I truly don't understand, but you would, and you would, there is a way where you're going to hit certain notes, and you're going to do your falsetto or not, or be quiet, or sort of push the volume out that has to be consistent with the emotion mm -hmm. that's behind the lyrics. Correct. Yeah. There are some songs, for instance, yeah. what I did, I Feel the Earth Move. Yeah. There are certain songs, you know what, leave them alone. Sing them because they're just that good. Right, right, right. Other songs, there are many groups that are trying to duplicate, if you will, yeah. the, um, the artist, whether it's what they look like yep. or how they sing the song. We don't do we're that. We're celebrating the music. We're not trying to duplicate the artist, but strangely right. enough, coincidentally, Byron, right? Byron sounds. He sounds like James Taylor. It's wow. it's a little bit freaky. It's it's, it's a little eerie, yeah. how much yeah. he sounds like James it's just Taylor. But but it's he does his own version of it, and, right. and well, um, he's feeling it. He's feeling it. It's how he sings. Yeah. It's just how he sings. Yeah, then that's, that's, that's organic. It is organic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And Mary, Mary is, um, she's been graciously gifted been gifted. She's kind of like an Irish folk singer almost. Wow. And she interprets. I don't uh, know where she goes. She yeah. she takes a song and it's it's there and then it, it comes back it and then different. it goes a little different. Yeah, it's it's really quite phenomenal. So it's nice to hear this music and, and people in the audience are like, I know that song, I know that song. Ah oh, and then, then you hear the chorus and that that's right. what we do with beautiful. But it's also really it's nice that we have a violin. Oh, wow. Yeah, a sax player. We have an acoustic guitar player. So the group can break down to three pieces. And, right, right, right. And do a song with like an acoustic guitar and a violin or you could do and this a voice. If you want to. Or, or then bring big. the band in at certain yeah. points. And they get, so it's an orchestrated thing that happens throughout the, the yeah. night. And, and you know what's nice is that this is sort of rounding it out nicely. So what you guys have together chosen is sort of the tapestry of our, 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 our collective emotional history, right? Absolutely. Yes. You know, for people, so on two levels it's nice, <clears throat> for people of a certain age. Baby right? boomers. You're right, for the baby boomers. But, you know, every, I, I went, I saw The Who, oh. I think at Garden State. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm don't, like, don't even, don't that's even like start. Favorite, that's favorite. favorite. I'm a Who fanatic. I, well, fanatic. okay, we're, we're going to have another, we're going to be talking. Oh, I'm wrestling over that. We're going to talk. <laughs> but. I, I saw I saw them at the Garden State Arts Center 15 years ago, maybe? Mm -hmm. I was there. Yeah, of course you were, right? And I saw kids there. I saw like 18, 19-year-old kids there, and it, it warms my heart. Mm -hmm. So even though you guys are, are, are taking care of the boomers, right, I, I, think, I, I think that you can also introduce those great songs. Because we started this show by saying, at a certain point in time, 70s, 80s, even and 60s, certainly there was... A certain quality to the songwriting in terms of, of the, the composition and the, the lyrics mm -hmm. that we're, we're, we're waiting to see if it, you know, it, it could you be equal. You see people cry tears of joy because right. these songs bring them back but You know to what's great is like half the songs, you know, Byron will go, okay, and the, and the audience is singing, you know, the, the right. song. He doesn't right. even have to sing anymore. Well, that, no, it, you got a friend. They're all right. singing. So, so what you're really doing, you guys are doing to get, it's a celebration. That's it is. You know, speaking yes. about the Who, just going back. Oh, I could do that. Bobby Bandiera. Yeah, we, I was, I, I did the show. I was, I was, able to be in Bobby Bandiera, who's of incredible Jersey Shore 
iconic guitar iconic player. Iconic guitarist, right. and he did he did his the tribute to the Who, and I got to I was able to sing the song is over, one oh. of the greatest nights of my life. Wow! And you have a funny <clears throat> story about Bobby, what he did to one of your songs. Yeah, but okay. Um, so Lisa was doing a show and right. uh, at McLoon Supper Club in right. Asbury Park, and she finished up, and we were leaving, and Bobby was downstairs, you know, kind of playing his guitar, singing, and he sees us. And he stops and he goes, classic. And, and he starts playing, I spent the night with your wife. <laughs> I mean, come on, the place went crazy. Oh, that is hysterical. <laughs> and he kept on going. He just kept that's on it. making up that's lyrics. Bobby. And, oh, that's fantastic. Here's a great who story is that yeah. uh, a friend of ours, Steve Silverman, okay. lives in the next town over. And every year before the pandemic, he threw these big parties. So right. he, he had... Uh, you know, groups like the Beach Boys, and then he would have Foreigner, and then he, so one year, she's saying, geez, I wonder if he would ever have the Who. I said, come on, you can't afford the Who. He's right, not right, gonna right. have the Who. So we get there early to see who it is, and the sound checking, and it's Roger. It's wow. Roger Daltry. Roger Daltry. 10 minutes from our houses. Wow. And so, so there's like 300 minutes. people in this like backyard. Private party, he was and, flown and, in. Wow. Uh, my biggest who, the, I, I have a friend who is a big ad exec, and he said, Dave, if you could pretend you're an ad lawyer, um, I'm going to get you into a, like a $5,000 a plate event. I'm like, I'm, I'm game. So you know what this is. Tell me. I'm going to test Was you. this in New York? Yes. I was there. At the Gotham, uh, That's it. Gotham <gasps> Hall. We were there together. White, so it was white tablecloth, surf and surf. I was there. They were awkward and wonderful at the same time, <laughs> right? I was there. Both oh, of them, Townsend. How amazing was that? I, I can't even, I don't even want to tell you on camera how I got into that show. Because <laughs> I'm not a fan. This was many, no, so many it's years all ago. <laughs> I was at that show. That was an amazing show. Yes, it was. I, I was an advertising attorney on that night. <laughs> and, and Bon Jovi was there. Okay. Um, they had all the loop. It was the four seasons. It was a charity. They had Wayne Gretzky was there. Oh wow! Right. I was. There I were was all these there. big sports people. I th didn't Bon Jovi introduce the Who? I forget. No, I I do not remember that. I did not. My so eyes were on Roger. I don't know. Yeah. So I we, don't know. So <laughs> I don't. As know. I predicted, um, we have just eaten through sixty minutes. Of course like we have nothing. Um, I will say in the air, I would love Wait, you guys to come back Cheers. Sometime. Absolutely. This was so much fun. We're, we're we have so much again. more to talk about. We we're do. whining again. We do. And, and I, I take such pride in, in our cheers cue cards. Cheers to everybody. Yes, I missed our cue card last time. Uh, this is Dave Cohen on Guitar Tales. I want to thank everyone so much for watching us, um, our opening show for season four. This has been an amazing journey. We're, we're, we're so happy and appreciative that you folks have stuck with us through COVID for all our Zoom shows, which we've really taken a lot of pride in. Our great friends here at Riverside, um, or Riverview. It's been fabulous. Have a great night and take a look on YouTube, Audible, on Amazon. Uh, we are on Facebook Watch. We are on every platform you could find. Look for us, find us, like us, and subscribe. Have a great night. This is Dave Cohen signing off.